This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Hi, my name is Dr. Lou Diaz, pastor of Butte Bible Fellowship located at 2255 Pillsbury Road in Chico. And I'm providing inspirational teaching for you from God's Word each week. Listen to my weekly radio program, Encouraging Words with Dr. Lou Diaz, at 10 a.m. on Saturday or 10 a.m. on Sunday. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. We uh, are in Jonah, Jonah chapter 2. This series is entitled, Jonah, Man on the Run. And the reason for that is because the outline for each chapter has to do with running. Chapter 1, he's running from God. God told him to preach to Nineveh, and he runs the opposite direction, taking a ship to Tarshish. And then chapter 2, which we're in today, is running to God. He reaches rock bottom. He's in the belly of the fish at the bottom of the ocean uh, with the seaweed strangling him. And he cries out to God, in prayer. And then chapter 3, we'll see next week, running for God. He finally heads to Nineveh and preaches there, and there's a revival. And then, running behind God, uh, God forgives the violent Ninevites when they um, repent, and Jonah's mad about that. So he's behind God in how compassionate and gracious and forgiving God really is. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for examples, both positive and negative examples. Thank you for Jonah, that he's very real and that he struggled, much like we struggle, with uh, obedience issues that are hard. And Father, we pray, may we learn from Jonah's example what to do and what not to do. But especially today, what to do. Run to you. May we run to you if we've been running from you or we've been drifting away from you. May we run back to you through prayer. In Jesus' name we ask this. Amen. All right, now you remember last week the quote from C.S. Lewis, we can ignore even pleasure, but pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures speaks in our conscience, and shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. So when we don't listen to God, when we run from God, when we rebel against God, he gets our attention. It says in Jonah 1, he sent a storm. So there may be a storm in your life, a storm in the life of a loved one that you know. Things have turned upside down, and the winds of adversity are blowing hard. And that's God trying to get attention, trying to wake you up, to smell the coffee, to say, yes, Lord, I hear you. I'm going in the wrong direction. And this is uh, what we covered last week from Jonah chapter 1, running from God. We learned four very important principles. Number one, obedience is doing what God wants. Number two, disobedience 
is finding a way to rebel. Number three, pain is God's megaphone to warn us. And number four, discipline is God's loving provision. So it says in Hebrews 12, 11, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So when a believer goes off of God's will, God loves you too much to let you go. He'll get your attention and he'll discipline you. Now there's a difference between discipline and punishment. Does anyone remember the difference? Punishment is to shame you. And discipline is to train you. That's the difference. Punishment is to shame you. In the olden days, if you did something wrong, they would put your head and hands in the stocks. Remember? You'd be shamed, the laughing stock of the whole thing. If you misbehaved in class, they'd put you on a stool in the corner and you would wear a dunce cap. What was the purpose of that? To shame you. That's punishment. God does not punish his children. Listen carefully. God is not in the shaming business. God loves you. God wants the best for you. And God will get your attention and he will discipline you. And that means he'll train you on the right way to go. He will give you direction. He will point you to his will. So if you're driving a car and you're on the road or the highway of blessing and then you decide to take a detour just because you want to and now you're on a gravelly road and it's got potholes and it's terrible going, you cry out to God and lo and behold, you see an entrance ramp back onto the highway of blessing. And you take that entrance ramp through prayer and repentance. And you turn around and you're back on the highway of blessing. But you needed the discipline of realizing it's a rocky road when you rebel. To realize you need to come back home to where the Father loves you and provides for you. All right. So running to God is the message. And there are four ways we see in Jonah chapter 2 where Jonah runs to God. We are to learn these principles for ourselves. How can you and I run to God? We are to pray to God. We are to focus upon God. We are to rely upon God. And we are to surrender to God. That's how you get back on the highway of blessing. So are you in distress, whether it is of your own doing and God's disciplining you, or whether you're going through a difficult time? Are you in distress? 
Are you experiencing trouble? Trouble with a capital T. Some of you know the reference I'm making. If you are, run to God in prayer and He will answer you. It says in Jonah 2, 1 and 2, from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to you, to the Lord, and he answered me. From the depths of the grave, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. Pray, and God will answer. Cry out, and God will deliver you. No matter what pit you're in, no matter what uh, stress, no matter what problem, no matter what struggle you have, cry out to God. Because we worship a prayer hearing and prayer answering God. During the Korean War, there was a specific location where more people were killed in battle than ever. And at the front line, the American soldiers saw their buddies cut down and they're dead or wounded. And the sergeant said to one of the privates, our buddy's out there, wounded, go get him. And he looked at his watch. He hesitated for two minutes. And exactly at a certain time, he went out and he got his buddy and he brought him back to safety amidst all the machine gun shooting and so forth. And later the sergeant asked him, how come you waited those two minutes? He says, Sarge, my mother promised that she would be praying for me at 9.30 our time every day. And I went out at 9.30 because I knew my mother was praying for me. And God protected him to get his buddy and bring him to safety. Prayer does not need proof Prayer needs practice. We have too many Christians who are practicing atheists if you judge them by their prayer lives. Many Christians have given up on prayer. They don't pray. And we are to pray. We're to ask and it will be given. Seek and we shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened unto us. Why is it that it's almost like Prayer is behind a glass that says, in case of emergency, pray. Why is it that we don't turn to God until we're in distress? Prayer is not part of the ministry. Prayer is the ministry. Prayer is our lifeline. Prayer is our relationship with a loving Heavenly Father who delights in hearing from us. He will answer. He will deliver. We have not because we ask not, is what the book of James says. 
This is the time for us as God's people to pray. We need to pray for our needs. We need to pray for our families. We need to pray for our nation. We need to pray for revival and spiritual awakening. What God has done in the past, God is able to do in the present. Oh God, we have heard of the great things you have done. Do them again in our day. And in your wrath, remember mercy. That's a beautiful prayer. And we need to pray. It goes on to say, if you've been running from God and you've hit rock bottom, here's the beauty of it. When you hit rock bottom, you have no choice but to look up. When you come to the end of your rope, you find yourself. Is that not true? When you come to the end of yourself, you have exhausted all your resources, all your props have been knocked out from under you, you are done, and you realize you're not God. You realize you are limited. God is omnipotent. He's all-powerful, and you're impotent. You have no power. That's when you cry out to God. And so God may use distress, but certainly God will use conviction in your heart. Conviction is where he pricks your soul and he tries to get your attention. Back in the days of the Native Americans, they would picture conscience like this. Conscience is like a three-cornered arrowhead. And when you do something wrong, the arrowhead spins inside of you. And those sharp points of the arrowhead cut at your soul. That's how the Native Americans pictured conviction. A spinning arrowhead cutting inside you when you did wrong. But if you keep ignoring the conviction what happens is the edges of the arrowhead become rounded. It spins like it used to, but it doesn't cut anymore. That's called a hardening of the heart. That's called a searing of your conscience, where you're no longer blushing, you're no longer embarrassed, you're no longer feeling badly, about doing bad things. And God wants you to listen to your conscience. He wants you to listen to conviction. If you're under conviction, run to God by focusing upon Him, and He will deliver you. That's what this passage says. Jonah 2.3 The pain was, you hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. Now watch this. Next verse. Response to the pain. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. Can you see that? Pain met with response. Conviction met with a willingness to come back, to run to God. Yet I will look again toward your holy temple. Let's see it again. Next slide. Pain. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep 
surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. Response? Next slide. But you brought my life up from the pit. Oh Lord, my God, when my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. And my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Pain, response, conviction, return. He says, I, yet I call on you again. Here, I remembered you. The smart thing to do when God convicts you is for you to say, yes, Lord, you're right. I confess my sin, I turn from my sin, and I, I turn to you. That's what repentance is. Repentance is doing an about-face. You were facing sin, and then you about-face, and you're facing the Lord. That's repentance. It's a change of your mind, calling sin, sin, and holiness, holiness. Next slide. Are you still stubborn? You know, some people need to be hit over the head with a two-by-four. They just don't get it. You know, there are several kinds of fools in the book of Proverbs. There's the simple fool who you instruct him and he learns. And then there's the hard-hearted fool that no matter how many times you teach him, he doesn't learn even through the school of hard knocks. And you want to be a fool that's teachable, a teachable fool, not a hard-headed fool. You don't want to be stubborn. But yet some people, when they run from God, are determined to keep running. But not Jonah. He finally comes to his senses. If you are stubborn, you will lose out on experiencing God's grace and forgiveness. It says that in Jonah 2.7. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. Isn't it sad that some people like Jonah sink to the bottom and they finally look up to the Lord? But some people who are so stubborn keep ignoring God. The picture is that they stiffen their neck and they harden their heart and they close their ears to God. They don't want anything to do with God. And by shutting God out of their lives, they're losing out on the forgiveness and the grace that they could be experiencing. The love and the blessing and the joy and the peace that comes from walking with the Lord has been taken away from them, is no longer available to them because they have determined to go my way. Some people are proud that at their funeral, they're going to have Frank Sinatra's song sung, I did it my way. That's terrible. And what did you get from that? You lost out on God's blessings. You lost out on God's privileges. The person who boasts that they're a self-made man are boasting about a very small package. I mean, they have not done a, a tiny fraction of their potential, of what they could have been if they only returned to the Lord. Next slide. 
So, fully surrendered? God saves you. When you fully surrender to Him, God saves you, and get this, He situates you to serve Him. It says in Jonah 2, 9 and 10, But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed, I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited him on to dry land. So happens he's arrived in Nineveh. Isn't that amazing? So this is important because the way back to God is to fully surrender. Notice Jonah says, okay, Lord, I'm done. Remember in the old days when uh, a fort would be surrounded or something, you would wave the white flag. The white flag was a symbol of surrender. Uh, we surrender, we give up. Finally, you've got to surrender to God. When you were wrestling as kids and somebody had you on a hold and you couldn't get out, what would you say? Uncle. You'd say, I cry uncle, which means I give up. So some of us need to start waving a white flag or crying uncle to the Lord. Okay, Lord, you've convicted me. I've hit rock bottom. I've made a mess of my life. I fully surrender to you. We need to do that. Next slide, please. So how do we come run to God? We run back to God by praying. Can I ask you a convicting question? Are you praying? I mean, are you really intimately talking with the Lord about your life, about your needs, about the concerns you have for your family, about your, their concerns for this nation, about our need for revival and great awakening. Are you praying? Let's move that up. Let's have more time with the Lord. I want to share with you a Christ incidence. I was uh, driving on 32, heading to um, Windchime to play some music there at the memory care place. And I was a little bit behind schedule. And I was listening to family radio. And the uh, DJ came on. I think his name's Randy. He said, a seminary student asked Dallas Willard. Now, Dallas Willard was the guru of spiritual growth for the Christian world. And he's, uh, he passed away. So on, a seminary student asked Dallas Willard, what is the secret to spiritual growth? And Dallas Willard said, you must ruthlessly eliminate all hurry from your life. And I laughed out loud because I'm hurrying to get to my destination. And then Randy read from Psalm 46, verse 10, Be still and know that I am God. Oh, that was Conviction City. What a Christ incidence. That didn't happen by accident. God set that whole thing up 
to speak to my heart, ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life, spend time being still before God. But it gets better than that. I went to a conference uh, this week, and I, 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 it was all these spiritual giants meeting at Richardson Springs because um, Mario Morello is going to have a crusade here, uh, much like Franklin Graham did. It's going to be March 15 to 17. And uh, we were eating lunch, and I was getting to know somebody from Yuba City. I said, oh, yeah, and are you a pastor or spiritual leader somewhere? And she said, I am an intercessor. I was like, oh, excellent. I said, tell me, with your experience of meeting with the Lord and really praying for people, what's the number one thing God has taught you? Oh, I was waiting for a, a wonderful insight from this spiritual giant. She said, the number one thing God's taught me is that he loves when you're just still before his presence. It's not your words. It's not your activity. It's you he wants to spend time with. Can you see how my week went? I've been under conviction. We need to pray. We need to run back to God by being still before God and opening our hearts before God. That's the message. We have too much clutter, too much hurry, too much distraction in our lives to grow our souls. And God is calling us back to a quietness and a repentance that results in life and fruitfulness. We run back to God by praying. We run back to God by focusing on Him. What's your focus? Is it on the Lord, looking to His temple, or is it, which is representing looking to His presence, or is it clinging to idols? What's your focus? And that's relying upon God. Are you clinging to idols? Surrender to God. Who's saving you? Jonah concludes this. Salvation is from the Lord. Can I tell you something very shocking? Somehow human beings think we can save ourselves. I can do it myself, thank you, as we put our thumbs under our spiritual suspenders. I can do it myself as we say, we can pull ourselves up by our bootstraps? The answer is, no, you cannot save yourself. Salvation is from the Lord and from Him alone. Next slide. So I'd like, in closing, for you to respond to the Word of God that you've heard. I want you to open your heart and say something to God related to the Word. Now, here's two sample prayers. You could pray one of them or both of them. If you've never trusted in Christ or are not sure you have, this first prayer is perfect. It says, I give up trying to save myself. I am helpless and hopeless 
without you. Can you say that? Can you say, I've reached rock bottom, I've made a mess of my life, and I'm helpless and hopeless without you? Can you say, salvation comes from you alone, Lord? Can you say, Lord, by your grace, please give me saving faith in Jesus Christ's sacrifice for my sins and his resurrection for eternal life? That's a prayer you can pray from your heart, and the Lord will hear you. Call upon the Lord, and you shall be saved. Now, for those who have been Christians for a long time, maybe this is the prayer you need to pray. I want to continue running to you, Lord, in prayer, by focusing upon you, by relying upon you. I surrender all to you, Lord. That's the way to get back on the highway of blessing or to stay on the highway of blessing. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Do you need encouragement? I want to share my spiritual gift of encouragement with you. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521 to find out how you can connect with our weekly worship services and faith-building messages from God's Word.